Boom. We're going. We're rolling. <laughs> All right, boss. Um, I didn't know it'd been that long since we first met. Like I was like, oh, you know, maybe it'd been like three years ago or something. But it's it, it's probably about six years ago now. No. Five six it is, years ago. It is. No. Uh, I would say we met in 2016 or 2017. 2016. Is it 2016? I don't know. How how old would I be then? Maybe five years. Five, four or five years. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Something like that. Uh, yeah. uh, Central Monster doing level one. Yes. Great box. Great oh, city. yes, it was level yeah, it is six years. You're right. Damn. You're right. Damn. Damn. Have you done? Um, have you done your level two yet? I thought I met you at level two. No, but I didn't. Okay. I did uh, my level two in the same box at Central Manchester. Oh, maybe. Well, maybe I met you there. <laughs> oh, I, I don't did know. <laughs> I can't I, remember I, what I did this yeah. morning. <laughs> They're all a blur now, but I had zero, zero, absolutely zero um, reason to be at level two because I wasn't, I've never coached in a CrossFit gym. So what, what was I doing? I just thought, you know what? Level one was good. I learned some stuff. Maybe I'll do level two and learn some more stuff. <laughs> and it was completely, <laughs> I had no business being there. But anyway, I met you. I met some really lovely people. So mm. Um, what what made you do the whole uh, fitness journey? Oh, oh, this is a very long one. <laughs> Go for Mental it. health. <laughs> Mental health. Um, I was not athletic at all. I would say I was just sort of at school. I was just a social. I would just get involved in in fitness or like fitness activities just for the social element. Like we would go skiing at the weekend. We had like this chemistry tutor who took us outdoors a lot. I would get involved in anything that he would start like canoeing and climbing and skiing. He would take us outside, but I was not in an organized sport. Like I was not in a team. Hand-to-eye coordination was terrible. So I was never in, in ball games. Uh, I did ballet, oh. um, but like I was totally the wrong shape. Uh, yeah, I wasn't really into a sport. I'd never really been through a rig, a really rigorous training um, plan. And but then at uni, I sort of went to the gym because I just needed some de-stressing. So it started at uni, really. Um, I think around nineteen, I, felt, I like took out a subscription at the YMCA next door because it was next door, mm. and just did classes. And I think. Then went, got into running because I had friends who were running. And then I got into this group that it was basically like five or six of us. Uh, and it was like friends basically. And we would take turns to plan a circuit and we would all do the circuit. Like just, we would plan a workout for, for the group. And one of those guys was in, into CrossFit and at the time I was running and then he planned like this 15 minute workout that destroyed me. And I was like, what was this? Because I've run a marathon and I didn't get quite so destroyed. Yeah. <laughs> and I am still feeling this 15 minute workout of yours. 
Um, and I just kind of got curious and just basically would follow him around. <laughs> um, but <laughs> maybe not quite so stalkerish, but um, I basically like wanted to get to know him because he, he, it turned out he was the kind of person who would, um, you'd throw him into anything new and he would just nail it first, first time. And I was so jealous and annoyed. I was like, how does he do that? You know, yeah. like we went, we all went in a, with a group um, skiing and he hadn't snowboarded before, nailed it. We went uh, to the sea, like to, to Crete um, with a bunch of people. Had, he had never done water skiing or wakeboarding before, nailed that. I was like, how do you do that? And, and then of course it was CrossFit because, you know, the fundamental movements are the same. The fundamental movement patterns are the same. And he played a lot of, maybe he played rugby. I don't know. He, anyway, he was a good mover. I thought, I can't remember at which point. Uh, I also had another friend who had started working for a CrossFit gym. She had a banking job and probably got fed up of it, had like a little crisis and thought, you know what, I'll just take a break and just do what I love. So she decided to work part-time for this gym, this CrossFit gym and just be like gym manager or just help with the running of it. And at the time I had also, I had given up my architecture job Well, I'd given up the career completely and was, uh, I can't remember at what point, but I worked for a church for two years, basically took a complete break, didn't know what I wanted to do. Cause when you're into something full time and just kind of being a workaholic, you don't really have time to think what else would I be doing with my life? So I didn't know, I didn't have a clue, but working for this charity, church charity, um, they gave me a lot of time, a lot of counseling. And I was like, you know what? I love fitness. I really like fitness. So I did a lot of volunteering, like helping people to run and um, decided to do my personal training certificate at that time. And then I had this friend who kind of in the, in the same, in a similar vein, quit her job and went to work for this gym. And she said, well, you should check out my gym. And I was like, sure. Uh, at the time I really wanted to like, um, I wanted to find an adult gymnastics club mm. and I didn't realize how ambitious that was for someone like me who was like had never done gymnastics had serious mobility problems in my head I didn't I didn't realize how many problems I had because that you know with running you don't really realize as long as you have an engine and you can you have like a mindset of like just keep going um you're good you're golden like you don't realize can I actually handstand? <laughs> um, so I, I went to various, I went to check out various adult gymnastics classes in London and didn't get, didn't have any luck. Well, actually I had luck with one club and I, one day I got injured. And so I was a little bit pissed off. And anyway, I get this call from, so my friend says, okay, I'll, I'll have you come here and check out this gym. So the next thing I know, I get this call from someone at that gym and he's like, so why do you want to start CrossFit? <laughs> I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> but I panicked and <laughs> I panicked and I, I told the truth. I was like, I actually really want to learn gymnastics. Um, but I am like, 
I'm a complete beginner. I don't know anything. And he's like, okay, I can work with that. <laughs> so I knew that there was gymnastics in CrossFit, but I didn't know what else there was. Mm. Um, and I, don't ask me how I knew this because I'd never been in a CrossFit class ever. But anyway, um, the way that gym worked was you'd have 10 one-on-one -on -one PT sessions before you could join a class. So I did, I basically paid up front for those um, PT sessions and I was like, cool. So I'll come on Tuesday. So then during those 10 classes, we went through all the fundamental movements and by the, I, I still hadn't seen what a CrossFit class looked like. So I think by the eighth session, on the eighth session, I, I, I actually saw a class, like they were coming back from a run and they all looked like death. And I was like, what am I doing? <laughs> um, I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> suddenly panicked. But, you know, I'd committed by that point. I'm like, this is interesting. You know, it's for someone who gets bored quite easily, there's enough movements that you will never, ever, ever exhaust um, anything. So I was like, this is gonna keep me motivated for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and basically the rest is history. I, that's exactly how it worked. Like I was so out of my depth with everything. And I was lucky that that gym took coaching really seriously. And it felt like a fitness school to me to like a complete, perhaps, perhaps now if I went in, it would feel less so. But at the time I was like, this is like university. I'm learning like a ton every day. Everyone wants to see me improve. Like there was no moment when I was left uncoached. Like even if I went to open gym, the, there was a supervisor there, supervising coach. They would come up to me and tell me how to do things better. It was, it was so off the charts, like good in that sense. Mm. Um, and yeah, that set me off on a really good, path but I mean I was so clueless like I look at my I've got videos from that time I they asked one day you know I'm going to start posting them because they are absolute comedy <laughs> nah, I, I wish I I wish I had videos of of when I first started like I remember my overhead squat was basically out here it was pretty much a bench <laughs> press like I couldn't squat like halfway down never mind all the way down I'd played ruggers and then I got injured um, for a for a while, so I was, I was basically bedridden. So like my body was just fucked, and I was just like trying to move, and it was like nah. I basically just had the head to just like dig myself a grave and shove myself in it. But other than that, yeah. like I just couldn't do anything, mate. Like a handstand, I think the first time I tried to kick up into a wall, I went through the wall. <laughs> <laughs> you know. You know, one of those where you kick up and then you just like buckle your elbows and you end up doing a somersault down the wall. I think I ended up doing something daft like that. I was like, oh dear, this is, this is quite embarrassing. Sounds like you had a lot of power though. Oh, that I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm, glum, I'm uh, grateful it was a brick wall, not like a, uh, you know, like one of those fake walls. I would have gone straight through it. Wow. That's so cool. I, um, I appreciate you saying that because I think unless you've, you know, if you haven't been a beginner at something, you can't appreciate like the, the whole journey of mm. like getting better at it. Um, and CrossFit's yeah, one of those I, things where like 
everyone's going to be a beginner at something. Whether you, mm. whether you were a gymnast and you can absolutely smash all the gymnastics, but you have no engine or you have like mm. no, no lower body strength for any Olympic lifts or anything like that. Like every, everyone's going to be a beginner at something and it's always like, you know, the CrossFit, it's all kind of combined into one. So everyone's just kind of there in the, in the pain cave together, just like, all right, I'm with you sort of thing. We've only got another 13 minutes left of this, of this hell hole. Let's try and get through it. Yeah. I think for me, the embarrassing thing is that I thought, because I think skill is important to me and, and it was embarrassing that I couldn't get into the positions because, because from ballet, you are told, you know, these are the positions you need to nail them. Otherwise you just look so out of place. Mm. And it's all about looking a certain way. And so, you know, when it comes to like anything, a squat, overhead squat, handstand, blah, blah, blah. If you can't get into the position, that to me was really humiliating. <laughs> like, I didn't care if I couldn't finish a run or whatever. Like I had the engine because I was running for a long time. So, but if you had said, if maybe if I was getting out of breath, maybe I'd be embarrassed about that. But I was, I was never embarrassed about engine stuff. I was like, <laughs> whatever, man. But I was really embarrassed about not being able to get into the positions. And it was, it taught me a lot about, because um, I had a corporate job before, you know, I trained to be an architect and I was basically an architect and I would go, uh, my day was largely office, you know, desk-based unless I had to go visit a site. But the bulk, the majority of the work was done at a desk. And yeah, okay, I would go up steps and come, you know, run around the office a little bit but um I was in some really shitty positions all day long like this and like you know really hunched and who knows um I just forgot everything that I learned in ballet about posture I completely went out the window and I was just doing very long hours in really shitty positions and then trying to get out of that lifestyle into a you know squat with your butt down and your chest upright and your shoulders back and uh show me your overhead squat and you know do your wall slides and all that yeah. stuff I was like how did I get here and I was I still am very much into Kelly Starrett <laughs> you yeah. know your body works like this so you need to do this and um, and I'm passionate about I don't know like educating others on that one um because you know, we have become very sedentary animals and we weren't originally, we were used to being out in the, in the field. Mm. Um, and now it's, unless you've been in a sport and you've been quite athletic in the past, um, the modern lifestyle is gonna screw you over in that sense. It, yeah, it doesn't lead to good positions in the gym and it doesn't help you develop um, athleticism mm. um so that was my big takeaway from crossfit that you know uh if you want to do well you have to help yourself in the the rest of the of your day you know not the one hour that you're in the gym but the 23 hours outside um yeah if anyone's going to take anything away from this i want them to take that sentence right there yeah yeah I can tell you, I mean, I did um, this lockdown, this first lockdown really helped me. I did, um, 
actually a few things happening. I was so, <laughs> I can share with you, there's a, there's a piece that Marcus Philly wrote about his um, journey through CrossFit where in the beginning, you're like all guns blazing. You're just giving it your all. It's amazing. It's the best thing you've ever experienced. Why didn't I know about this? Like you're going at it with everything you have. And then first two years are amazing. Like every workout is a chance to go all out and as heavy as possible, as fast as possible, you know, you're like blood, sweat, everything. And then some things start to <laughs> not work quite so well. Like maybe you got a little niggle, uh, maybe like your back. I, I tweaked my back um, a little bit. Uh, maybe you did that or maybe, you know, everyone experiences something in year three, basically. And I didn't know that this was like, you know, a thing until I read um, this article and um, it, he just talks about under recovering, not necessarily, you know, overtraining, but just under recovering, like the pace at which you train does not match the pace at which you're recovering. So maybe you're not sleeping enough, you're not eating enough, you're just stressed in other areas of life. So CrossFit ends up starting to hurt you. And so your body starts to give, you know, I had back pain. Uh, I then just realized that I had apparently fractured my wrist and I didn't know um, a few things. And anyway, by year four, I was so broken that um, I had to do one arm burpees and, you know, weird things like that in, at the open. And I was miserable. I was like, this thing that I love, I can't take part in. And I basically had to do a lot of mobility and a lot of other stuff like functional bodybuilding and single arm, single leg, everything, and just bring my body back in, into balance and understand that the way I had been, I wasn't, I still wasn't mobile enough, but I was forcing the positions with weight. And, you know, that wasn't going to fly. Like, let your body uh, acquire that range before you pile weight onto it, right? Mm -hmm. And try and force it to go there. Uh, so lots of mistakes. Um, so essentially, if you skip steps, you have to go back and retake those steps a lot later. Comes back so and bites you in the ass. Uh, instead of yeah, it does. And so my steps, I missed so many steps. Uh, missed the mobility step and the strength step. Like I was like, hey man, I can complete this workout. Like why do I need to get stronger? Um, but uh, you know, there is a plateau. If you don't get stronger, you can't move on. on. Uh, so yeah, I spent, um, last year, well, I spent lockdown one doing mobility and literally single, single sided work. And I've done, I've done that pretty much most of the year. And now I am, yeah, basically just doing strength work. Like I did, I did one hero workout in November and I think I was sore for two weeks and I was like, why did I do that? <laughs> Let's just go back to what I need to be doing. Yeah. <laughs> A hero workout is not something you should just jump in and out of, like, fuck me, it'll crush you. But, you know, I didn't think twice about it. I was like, it wasn't a famous hero. Like, in my, it wasn't Murph, so I was like, maybe this is just a minor hero workout. <laughs> oh, shit. I, I forgot that we're, we're recording. But, um, 
I guess what I'm trying to say is these things pop up in the program unannounced. Mm. Um, it didn't look, it didn't look anything threatening. That, that's probably the best um, explanation. They're the but worst ones, right? <laughs> Perhaps, yes. Like, what, yeah. what did we do the other day? Uh, Tuesday, so two days ago, we did um, like 600 meter, 400 meter, 200 meter run. And then in between, you do a max effort of chest to bar. Granted, like, I'm not really done max effort chest to bar in a while, bit deconditioned to it, but I'm wrecked from like three <laughs> sets of gymnastics. I'm wrecked. And it's just like, oh, that looks yeah. really simple on paper and it just absolutely destroys you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know. Obviously, there's, there's, there's great things in CrossFit, obviously. It's just um, everyone has different needs and um, I really want to, I never want to leave it, but I, at the moment, my prescription is uh, lots more strength work and mobility mm. work and like uh, a lot less uh, conditioning, a lot less CrossFit, um, mm. still quite a bit of conditioning. But yeah, um, but it's it's interesting times. Like the Open is going to be done at home, it seems. And um, yeah, that's uh, it's a new one. <laughs> yeah, it's dead interesting. Um, I mean, you really... guys haven't... Sorry, go on. I, I over here we're like in in a serious lockdown, whereas you guys, I'm guessing gyms are open over there. Yeah, man, we've been uh, we we had six. Well, we had four weeks of total lockdown. We had two weeks of a little bit of a, a less restriction sort of kind of lockdown, and then we've been business as usual since then. Um, obviously, the country still had to recover from all that. Like they did really well with the subsidies, keeping businesses afloat and. And things like that um and obviously they have like what five million less than five million population which is like less than half of <laughs> london alone like it's crazy um and then this island like being on the south island there is about a million people or less than a million people on this entire island sounds amazing um <laughs> yeah it's it's cool it's a completely different like way of life um, How did you end up on the absolute other side of the world? Uh, well, if you're going to do it, do it right, right? <laughs> so if you're going to run away from home, don't go around the corner to the to the local chip shop. You might as well get on a plane and fuck <laughs> off. Uh, no, so uh, I, um, I always wanted to go. Um, New Zealand, I think the seed was planted, like thinking back, as you do, everyone's got 2020 vision in hindsight, like, I remember watching um, a rugby league game with my dad when I was a when I was a great young kid, and I remember him saying like, "Oh, New Zealand! I've always wanted to go there." And I think that's when the seed was planted in my head. I was like, "Oh yeah, New Zealand! It's a cool place." You know what I mean? Just being a kid and kind of thinking whatever your parents say is absolute gospel. Um, mm -hmm. And then I naturally came to a um, a kind of end where I, where I was working. I'd been working there for like three years. Um, like you know one thing led to another and i was like okay cool like um i've got two years me and my brother decided we got two years before we were going to start something um and then i was like ah, oh, what do i you know what do i do do i do i stay on for another two years and stay in that comfort zone do i go home for two years establish establish myself back home in manchester um like i miss my city and my 
always miss my city um or do i just like fuck off somewhere else so i kind of i pinged out my cv to uh crossfit yas um where i was first introduced to like this video interview questionnaire sort of shit where you've got to like click a button and you have like 10 seconds to answer it was uh really surreal really weird um i got through the first one which was kind of cool um, and then the second one, I don't know, I probably said something I shouldn't because knowing me, I'm a bit potty mouth. Uh, I never I never made it to the third. I was like, okay, cool. That's that That's that door closed. Um, I sent one out what to... What was it? Hey? What sort of questions were they? Oh, uh, it was like, um, I think one was, you know, typical like experience. What have you done in the whole like fitness scene? I was like, okay, cool. I've got... I can give you a couple couple stuff there. And then one I remember one of them being, I think this is the one where they were like, Yeah, nah, not this fella. <laughs> it was like, oh, so what what would you say was like your worst trait? And I think I remember saying something something like, Well, I'm northern, so I swear a lot. Oh. And um no, I... it's you know, it's UAE, it's the Middle East. They might have taken that a little bit, you know, a little bit to heart. I don't really know. I'd been to Dubai, <laughs> but um, like kind of been through it, spent a couple of days there. Um, so I didn't really know the culture too well. And they were probably like, yeah, fuck this lad off. Like, we're not, we're not taking him. But that's fine. Um, yeah, I was, I was tempted to go to Canada. Like I kind of flicked over there, um, like my CV. And they were like, yeah, um, flick through this brochure. Like if you, if you marry up with our, um, our sort of philosophy and our ethics and values in this gym, then we'd be happy to set you on and come through the system. I'd be like, oh, that's really cool. Thank you very much. And then I ended up kind of getting the same thing, but a little bit less worthy of uh, a gym in Auckland was like, hey, if you come over, you've got a job. And I was kind of, I kind of sent him a message saying, are you taking the piss? <laughs> it's, it's a bit fine. Where's, where's my three round questionnaire over Zoom? <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and he was like no, no no like i think we had uh the second time i i had an email with him we were on a skype interview um and I, <laughs> it was funny because i because obviously with the time difference i'd just woken up it was like 4 30 in the morning i was uh I, I was only in my boxes from the pants down and obviously i had my <laughs> my phone and i was like obviously not showing like my my entire body that had been a bit weird um so I was just sat there on my couch in my flat in the in the south of uh, England. I was just like, you know, are you taking the piss? Is, is there actually a job here? And he was like, yeah, yeah, you get on a you get on a plane. We have got a job. Um, we've done it quite a few times from people from France, from from the Netherlands, from the UK, whatever, blah, blah, Canada. I was like, all right, wicked. It sounds like a great opportunity. And I think about two, two, three weeks later, I I, I landed. That's very cool. Yeah, I was like, very fuck cool. it, why not? Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to, yeah, absolutely. You got to take these opportunities, right? And you got to, um, what did he say? What, or what did I say yesterday? Um, hard work and patience equals opportunity. Yeah, but also, you know, you you have to. I think living abroad, wherever that might be is such a useful thing in life you know yeah. otherwise the world is too unified now to not have that experience yeah it just gives you an, a different perspective it makes you more inclusive if you're going to run a gym 
you want to be able to identify with different people who are not like you basically and mm -hmm. you know you've it, it really helps to just be on the on the side of the outsider um 100%. at least once in your life to be like you know I, I think that's great that you've done it and just getting outside your comfort zone really all the time that's also huge because you could easily have started something in the UK but um as a you know for the rest of your life this is gonna serve you I think <clears throat> mm, 100% and like I think the the biggest takeaway I've had so far is communication is like mm. you know like you would know you'd have, you'd have met northerners in your in your time in the UK like we're kind of a bit set in our ways and we kind of say what's on our mind and it doesn't really matter you know what i mean you just you just take it in your stride and every every language is common language so you can just say whatever the fuck you want to say um but kind of being over here you're like all right what do you mean like, why am i getting weird looks for, for saying something you know what I mean why are you getting all touchy-feely of like I just said don't be a dick or I just say what the fuck are you doing or whatever and they're like oh why are you shouting at me I was like hold, hold on like I'm not I'm not saying anything you know what I mean so it's being able to communicate with different groups of people and I think that's gonna that's been the biggest takeaway for me so far yeah yeah for yeah. sure people are all bitches I think it was the opposite for me coming from Greece to the UK, where to the south, I shall say. Yeah, much <laughs> would have been a different situation if I'd come to Manchester. Yeah. It would in Greece, you know, you you know, people. I mean, I won't speak speak for the whole of Greece, but I'm used to people telling me, you know, oh, you've got fat, or you know, I don't know, you know, people being super blunt. Mm. You wouldn't imagine doing this here. Fuck um, no. So, um. I'm, I'm exaggerating, but you know, it's that sort of you get immediate feedback, or people are super blunt where I where I'm from, um, which is the complete opposite in the south of England. So I'd, I've had to adjust to getting less feedback and being a bit more careful. And for I think for a while that threw me on the other side of well, I won't say anything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then you know you find the balance. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's huge and. I guess you find uh, language that's respectful to everyone and doesn't mm -hmm. doesn't offend anyone. But at the same time, you want to be you want to make a point. So yeah. yeah, it's an art. Communication is a huge is an art. Um, oh, it's fascinating. It's yeah. fascinating. Like being able to like it even touches on um, like visual cues that me and Shots spoke about this week with we're both learning a bit of sign language so we can communicate you know with 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 people are hearing impaired or deaf but um <laughs> hey that, i saw that on your instagram that's amazing yeah yeah like um it's a it's an art that that has been overlooked you know what i mean like um i was speaking i've got one of my athletes she's hearing, hearing impaired and uh, she says it's actually easier to learn sign than it is to teach kids how to speak english like as you will know, English is just screwed. Every law we have in the English language is broken about five times. And I still don't even understand the language that comes out of my mouth anyway. Um, so like, and I was thinking about it, I was like, all right, if I was in a class, which I have been, I've been coaching a class before and I've had, um, I've had a fellow who's been hearing impaired and, you know, being a bit younger, not really knowing any sign, only could say my name in, in the UK sign language and that's not really going to help much. Um, I'd kind of just have to 
place myself in a class where obviously you have two lines, I'd be right at the front, but I would be off center. So I'd be more towards where I'm, I'm kind of face to face with this fella. So, um, so Max could end up seeing my mouth a bit more. Um, and it was actually really cool because he also came up to me and was like, Alex, you mumble a lot and you kind of slur your words. And I was like, oh, I never really noticed. You know what I mean? Like people understand what I say back in Manchester. And that's because I am fucking Mike. So it makes sense. Um, he was like, yeah, like obviously the way you pronounce some like uh, vowels are a bit different. And by the way, but can you just like, so I pronunciate a little bit more and I was like yeah no problem um and it kind of made me like conscious of that and instead of like talking and turning around and looking at the board and con continuing talking I would briefly I'd say what I'd need to say I'd take a pause I would get whatever I needed to from the board and I'd turn around and start talking again yeah. um and all those little experiences kind of add up and I was like you know what like we're we're trying to unify people in health and fitness, right? For physical and mental well-being. Yet we're alienating so many people because we're not taking the time to educate ourselves on how to communicate with our hands or with our body language. And we're talked about, you know, you got to stand tall and confident and proud. So you don't, you, so you, it looks like you want to be there. Like don't, if you're wearing a hoodie, don't have your hood up because it looks like you don't give a shit. And you're taught all this like body language but we're never actually taught how to communicate sign. And um, I don't know, it kind of, it, it, especially having this athlete page, like she, she teaches me a little bit and it kind of, uh, I, I thought about it for a couple of days and I was like, you know what? You're going to think about this for the rest of your life or you're going to pull your fucking thumb out your ass and you're going to start learning it. And I was just like, okay, cool. Like, that's it. I'm going to, I'm going to start learning this. Yeah. So that's kind of, I don't know, being able to coach yeah, a class. I think it's important. Sorry, mate, go on. You're breaking up a little bit. That's why maybe we... Um... No, I can see you now. I can see you now. Right, um, cool. Yeah, I think it's important to be served that message gently and not, not like you know, everyone is on a, oh, everyone is on a journey of improving, right? And, you know, it, everyone has the best intentions of coaching people. Everyone has a slightly different style. And every, every day that you're going there, you're, you're coaching, you're contributing, you can, you can only make it better. Um, <laughs> I was coaching uh, classes for a while in a global gym and um, the system there was quite, this is slightly off topic now, but the system was quite, they didn't want you to give too many cues. Um, they wanted you to be a bit more of a, I, I want to say, I want to say cheerleader, but I will say cheerleader just for lack of a better word. Uh, but basically someone very enthusiastic who can hype people up to do better and my problem with that is it doesn't work on me. So therefore I try not to push it on other people. So if you start shouting next to me, go harder, faster, brr, I sort of go the other direction. Like I just want to give up hmm. because I have my own mental game. My own head is telling me stuff. And so if you shout on top of that, it's just too much. Hmm. 
so I was never I was always sort of going up <laughs> going next to people going like gently like hey have you thought of like try and do this like basically one cue but quite quietly like to one person at a time and and the the main group x person was like what are you doing <laughs> you need to be a cheerleader you can't be a pt in a class and i was like man this is not going to fly <laughs> so eventually i started pting rather than doing classes but in crossfit obviously there's a huge coaching component so all that stuff is appreciated but i think yeah like everyone we are all getting better every single day like you're lucky not everyone has a a hearing impaired person in mm-hmm. their class like i would say very few do mm-hmm. so i think that's huge for you to <laughs> getting thrown all the lessons <laughs> yeah man like kind of, country. yeah fucking throws it all at me but like i don't know like is it is it the fact of we people have not just been lucky to to get someone who's hearing impaired or completely deaf in their class or is it they don't join because they're scared that they won't be able to understand and they can't hear like if you I look, imagine the second, yeah. yeah like uh, it, we're not i think we like we can do better as yeah. crossfit as a whole as as coaches as a, as a whole i think we can do better i think we can offer more options for people so it's more accessible yeah um yeah well that that's that's me anyway yeah no absolutely i think um there's so many i was really encouraged by that post you posted because i think you can use instagram in so many different ways some are you know crap and some are so useful like i learn so much every time i go on it and yeah like i i i don't know really how you get the message out there that we are a disability friendly gym um i've not been in that place before um actually maybe I have in a little in a small way but um I, I yeah it's definitely a message worth spreading right we we the more diversity the better and the more inclusivity the better mm. I in my I don't know in my short time working in a global gym I think I saw like one disabled person come through the doors, but it also was a particular gym. It had stairs down to the basement and a lift down. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why we we didn't get that many. Um, there's definitely an intimidation factor, right? Like you, you'd have to be a pretty confident person to walk into a gym where you don't know the coaches personally and, um you don't know if they'll look after you basically, or if you're going to look completely lost. It's the whole um, thing of um, even something so simple as having a ramp into your gym, having a yeah. um, wheelchair accessible. Yeah. You know what? I will, always, I will always say, because that was my experience. I was invited into CrossFit. Had it been, I would never have joined on my own. I wouldn't know. Hmm. I was this, it took this girl to say, hey, you should join my gym. Otherwise, and so I think by, by, to generalize that, it takes an invite. If you say to somebody, come and look, come and take a look, just come once, you know, there's absolutely no pressure, just come check it out. Cause that's how I was invited, just come. Um, then there's no harm done, right? They can come once, never come again if they don't like it. But if they really like it, that one time is gonna get them hooked. Mm-hmm. 
I think there's there's all sorts of things we could do personally. I always believe in the personal invite, even though in the beginning I thought, wow, Instagram, I'm going to shout about it on Instagram and it's going to work. And oh no, like nothing works if it's such a shouty message to everyone. It's all about people want to be, people want to feel like, you know, it's a, it's a personal message to them, right? Like I've thought of you, I want you to join me. <clears throat> I don't even know. Well, I know, uh, I know two hearing impaired people. Uh, one lives in the States and she is absolutely killing it. I think she's on the, if she's not on the adaptive seminar staff, she's, she's helping them do all sorts of things. And the other is in the UK and she once, I did, I did an event once that included yoga and she came and she said to me afterwards, you realize that as a deaf person, yoga is a nightmare. Like it's not relaxing at all because I can't close my eyes. Otherwise I'm going to miss something. And I was like, how did I not think of this? Mm. But she didn't, I didn't know she was coming. I didn't know her. She told me on the, on the door, like, Hey, by the way, I'm deaf. And I didn't think, and I was like, Oh my God. How did we miss that? And I mean, she taught me a big lesson. Like if you ever want to teach yoga to a deaf person, you have to go up to them and help them with the positions, like move them, tell them when to close their eyes, tell them when to open them. Can't just leave them there and expect them to get it. Hmm. Uh, and also you have to demo the positions, not just talk about the positions. So uh, yeah. Um, it's all yeah. learning curves, though, man, and it's yeah. you know, like figure it out, figuring out on the fly. Like you said, you you get a, you get a deaf person turning up to yoga. It's like, oh fuck, I've got to figure this out. You know what I mean? And then you iron out the creases over time. And I think social media is a beautiful thing where you can just provide value, right? You're just like, I I think this is gonna, I think this is gonna help. Okay, and if if no one like reads it and no one does anything about it, cool. But you've still like put something out that will help someone and it's still up there and you're like okay cool this is like free help i guess not just like oh i'm the messiah listen to me sort of shit it's just been like all right this is a little bit of i guess like impersonal advice or experience um like um we, we said something with a good good mate of mine that we had on here maybe a week ago two weeks ago where it was like share don't compare so don't compare yourself to me or other people like share your own experience because someone else might be able to relate but then when you said about the um making it a little bit more personal that's where you can go into you know the ymca and and talk to people that may have um maybe a little bit less fortunate with with the old income and the the, you know they hang around there so they they get off the street i'm like all right we're gonna create a free kids program come in just move around you know what i mean get some demons out of your head and defeat them or you go to the local, I don't know, agency that works with autistic kids or autistic adults, and you just be like, hey, I, I want to volunteer my service in my craft with your clients. Yeah. Why don't you come in? Um, it's going to be completely free. You know what I mean? We're trying to still figure some stuff out, and you learn on the fly. I think people are really, I don't know. I don't know whether it's a lack of confidence um, or, or what or people are just afraid people don't want to learn on the fly anymore. Like everyone wants to be book smart where they know 
everything before they start. And that's, I don't think that's the way to do it. I think the way to do it is just to throw yourself in the deep end and you're either going to sink or swim. Yeah. I think at the moment, you know, you're, it's hard to think of opportunities um, at the moment because everything over here is shut down. But when things start to reopen again, I think that's going to be um, on the, a bit more on the forefront of my mind. Mm -hmm. Like I, at the moment, I wanted to volunteer at crisis at Christmas because two years ago I did, um, you know, crisis have this huge, um, huge effort at Christmas where they have, they open these big centers and they give homeless people everything, you know, meals and clothing and showers and haircuts and just everything to make them feel um, good at Christmas. And I was there just helping them to play games. And we ended up playing basketball in this school um, yard I mean, of all people to play basketball, I am probably like <laughs> least adept. But yet it was such a um, bonding experience with people that I wouldn't have met otherwise. And, you know, between myself and then the homeless person, there's very, very little. There's a very fine line, you know, how you can become homeless overnight. And some of them were just super interesting to talk to with their life story um literally one unfortunate thing can happen to you and you're homeless and it was absolutely fantastic I'll never forget it just playing basketball and how um how much easier interaction becomes once you've played a game mm. you're then like buddies you know whereas before you were like how am I going to talk to that person I have nothing in common and then you play one game and then you're like <laughs> best mates <laughs> um but I really think yeah you know fitness it doesn't need to be complicated right you know we all can plan a simple workout for anyone from the, from the community to get involved and but when things open up again I think I'd love to take part in that stuff mm. um I didn't tell you like in in between <laughs> level two and now um I set up this little gym in Crete that is just for like for retreats and for, you know, anyone who's on holiday to use. And we had a little bit of interest from people who are just holiday makers in the vicinity. And they're like, oh, there's a gym there. Can I come and like drop in? And it's amazing how, I mean, it's not a lot of people that come through, but they will email and they're like, can I, can I come? And my pal, Mike Serbus, who's like ex-USA weightlifter, he's there with his wife and he's like the, the most welcoming person you can imagine. And he's always like, yes, come in, blah, blah, blah. You know, and he helps people. He's like, uh, he's like that pastor figure. I call him Pastor Mike. And mm. he has a chat with people and that's it. That's all it takes for people to feel like, right, cool, we can we can bond over weightlifting or whatever it might be that they are planning to do that day. Um, but yeah, it's such a fitness is such a unifying thing. And I, I'm, I'm sure we can use it that way rather than um, create cliques or like gym cliques. Like now in the, in London and in the UK where gyms are shut so people are training outside 
you know, people see you train. So they're like, oh, wow, cool. <laughs> you know, this is what this person does. And this is what this other person does. I remember once um, this guy turned up, I have a little tiny little green outside my building. And this guy turned up with like weighted uh, weight plates hanging off of his, you know, uh, wow. hips. Yeah. And he was doing pull-ups, weighting. <laughs> It was amazing. I was like, well, you'd never meet this guy if, you know, if gyms were open. Um, but yeah, it's, I think, I don't know. I'm looking forward to fitness being again, this unifying thing. Mm, uh, if we can create language, right? language. Yeah. I'll give you one example where it's not. So, um, well, I think, um, I don't think CrossFit, does a great job of that because there are so many terms that the general, that you know, the rest of the population doesn't use. Um, in, 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 you know, in the same way that it brings together so many sports and it creates this one universal um, methodology for all these sports, that's fantastic. Uh, when you then try and explain that to the rest of the population, it becomes a bit more tricky. But I have like a personal, um, I would love for weightlifting in particular to become a little bit more accessible, especially to women. Um, I think gymnastics, it's easy for women to relate to body weight training because most women have done body weight training at some point. Um, and most women, I don't know, gymnastics is considered quite a feminine sport. So everybody loves watching it, watching the Olympics. And, you know, a lot of women have done ballet. Uh, so but I think women are very familiar with body weight movements, but with Olympic weightlifting, um, it looks different than it feels. Like it looks so um, intense, heavy, like almost alien, but it feels amazing. You don't realize how it feels until you've tried it, until you've got to the point where you are allowed to try it physically. Like you've got the, you're in a gym that teaches it and you've got the mobility and the strength and the mental, uh, basically, I don't give a fuck what people think, that kind of attitude. Um, it took me all those things to try it. Like for the, for the longest time I was, just trying to avoid weightlifting as much as I could until the point where I just wasn't getting any better at CrossFit. Um, and then once I realized how good it feels, I was like, why? Yeah, I wish it was more widely, you know, if you, if you pick up someone on the street and ask them what a snatch is, they won't have a clue, right? Or a clean and jerk. And I grew up in Greece where Greece does really well at weightlifting. And at the time, I think we had like someone winning a lot of gold medals in the Olympics, uh, but none of us had touched a barbell at school. Like I had never seen a barbell until I got to a gym like at uni. Mm. And even then I didn't touch it. I think I didn't touch a barbell until I got to CrossFit, which is nuts because it's not like you need a sprung floor or like any crazy apparatus. It's literally one barbell and some plates and you can do it on the concrete. It's so simple, but yet, um, 
if you said to me as a kid, like, do you want to try weightlifting? I'd be like, are you joking? <laughs> like, I don't want to, I'm not a guy. I'm not a dude. And I definitely don't look like that dude that wins the, the gold at the Olympics. Um, nobody identified with that stuff. It wasn't accessible. It wasn't put into perspective that, hey, this is going to get you stronger. Mm. Uh, but yet women have back problems and osteoporosis problems. And it's because they don't have access to weight training <coughs> early enough. Yeah, man. And it's like saying, like, if you go down that argument, it's like saying, um, if you don't want to beat Usain Bolt in a hundred meters, then you're not allowed to run. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you're just like, well, that's a fucking stupid like statement. I mean, like, I think I'm really excited to see where women in strength sports and the whole stigma around women lifting weights. I'm really, really excited to see where that goes. I genuinely believe the gap between like male and female performance at the higher level will get so close. Like some mm -hmm. of the shit these female athletes are able to do is just mm -hmm. immense. Like you're just like, well, what do you, what, what do you mean? Like you, you had a kid like six months ago and now you've just ran for two days straight and have uh, there's like um i think jesse isler uh first first said it and uh james brownie uh, a, good, a good mate of mine i ended up coaching for a while he reminded me of it there was like a lady who did like a four-day race up in like um up in america like an ultra ultra race and she did it in half the time she did it in like two days and every time she stopped she breastfed a kid you know what i mean you just like what, what do you mean love like how were you able to do that and they basically like broke it down it was just like because of the hormones after after pregnancy and and obviously adrenaline of trying to keep the kid alive or those primal sort of instincts it was like yeah the the woman's basically superhuman yeah 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 i yeah i love that story um i mean we didn't have access to it because when i was growing up many many years ago the aesthetic um, goal was that women be small mm. and small, you know, in every dimension, in every axis, <laughs> you know. Um, and so I remember even like five years ago, I was at a gym, not even five, three years ago, I was at a global gym. Uh, I had a few clients from Eastern European countries that didn't want to get didn't want to didn't want to pick up weights basically um yeah. i don't even want to say eastern european i had a few russian ladies that didn't want to pick up weights because they would make them bulky i 100 respect that um but it comes from a certain culture that mm. um but yeah um yeah it's amazing if we if we give if we do give women the same opportunities where we're going to get to uh, and i think again it's not about um it's not about luxury it's about sort of strength training will save you some really brittle bones later down in life depending on your genetics and depending on what else you do uh, like I'm, I think I'm lucky because my side, my mum's side of the family generally seem to be doing okay with that stuff, mm -hmm. but it's, it's a fact, right? You lose bone density as you get older. Um, the other thing is it just feels it's as someone who went from completely unathletic to 
athletic, the confidence boost is immense. Um, and I think we could all do with, you know, I don't know what else, what people are uh, going through in life, but we could all do with a bit more confidence that comes from within. Uh, so I, th I can vouch that uh, for a woman in particular, picking up heavy things is quite the boost. Fuck yeah. Um, you, you see it, <laughs> like, especially like if a lady comes in and I don't want to use the word timid because that can be misstrewed, but they, they clearly have um, some sort of demon um, in the whole realm of confidence, right? And you you can see that you can you can see it just by just by her presence. And then the next thing you know, a few weeks later, she turns into the absolute badass, like just throwing this barbell around, treating it with absolute disrespect, like crushing the workout. She's come in, made a shitload of new, new friends. You just like what the hell have I just seen? Like that yeah. is incredible. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Simple. I can tell you. Yeah. I think it, uh, we had this, I had this conversation with my, um, with a friend over Christmas. The reason the CrossFit is hard, right. And the people mm. come to it and stay in it for different reasons, but a lot of them are mental health reasons. Um, I, I was bullied at school. I think, in my school, a lot of people were bullied. It wasn't, it wasn't anything um, particularly noteworthy, but it left me with various scars of, about my body and um, just didn't want, I didn't want to be seen. And I didn't want to show myself because then I would be seen. And so I basically just wanted to hide. Um, and I think CrossFit has absolutely smashed. Well, it's just challenging because you're constantly Part of me obviously wants to be seen. Uh, I think we all do. And then um, if you want to compete in anything, you have to show yourself. You can't compete in the dark. So mm. um, uh, it's challenging because half of me is like, I should not show myself, you know, I'm going to get, I'm going to get bullied. <laughs> it's like the demon. Mm. And then the other side of me, no, I'm badass. <laughs> Mm. And so CrossFit, sort of, uh, well, any kind of comp competitive environment just has to bring it out of you of like, no, I am worth looking at. Um, mm. So I think for people who have, like you say, any sort of timid uh, tendencies, uh, yeah, it's amazing. It's, it's a huge medicine. And I also think that the focus on performance rather than how you look is has really helped that because like if you walk into a crossfit gym right or you go to a crossfit competition you might get a like well she's fit or he's fit but other than that it's three two one go and you're like no one gives a flying shit what you look like like you could be this absolutely gigantic fella and i mean fat not muscly like this fat bastard you know what i mean but he could win the workout and everyone would be like wow that's awesome. That's so incredible. No one would be like, you need to lose weight. You know what I mean? Everyone's just focused on the yeah. performance. Everyone's like, oh, uh, you, you got you got your first handstand. That's insane. Or the, the best one that I love seeing is the first ever box jump. That is like electric. <laughs> like for someone to be able to break that demon and break that barrier in their head of like, I'm going to take off from this earth. <laughs> and my feet are going to land on this wooden box with pointy edges. 
Yeah, and I'm going to yeah, stand yeah. my ass up and I'm going to be like, I'm going to be okay. Oh. I remember. <laughs> I remember various uh, moments where that happened. I was like, no, I can't. And mm. you have to go back, you know, make the box shorter and then go back up, build it back up again. Oh, it's always like a, it's always a fun, fun game to play. To mm. And I think, uh, uh, I think the, the physical stuff really helps because, you know, it's, Bridges says it all the time of pay the man, right? I say it in a, in a fact of like defeat your demons. Like everyone's got a demon somewhere. Everyone's got something that's pulling some sort of string in their head, whether it is just the fact of like, oh, I'm having a little bit of a, uh, a bit of a shit a day. Or it could be like something absolutely severe. Like, I don't know, you've, you've survived like a, a national genocide or something crazy. You know what I mean? Like everyone's got somewhere in between there. And by moving around, by using that universal language and by just sweating out and paying your dues a little bit, like you, you end up defeating them. And it's like, all right, give yourself a high five, slap yourself on the ass, do whatever yourself you need to do and be like, hey, I'll yeah. see you again tomorrow. You know what I mean? Like you're a fucking badass. You walked through the doors or you did your 100 burpees in the morning or you went for a 10 minute walk or whatever your fitness looks like. Like you don't have to come into a CrossFit gym, right? Mm-hmm. We're just a little bit biased because we enjoy that environment and that that pain that we kind of put ourselves through but like if you wanted to do a zumba go to do zumba you want to do yoga go do yoga if you want to just walk go just walk but like by like physical expression you end up defeating those demons you know what you just made me remember like my first crossfit gym experience every day was like that and every day as soon as the workout was done i didn't want to leave because it's a huge metaphor for life you know, that you put in to challenge your demons. And there are very few other environments where uh, you are so conscious of what these demons are because you're just faced with them throughout the workout. Like I could be having demons all day, but I, um, I guess, uh, let me think. It's a real battle, right? It's you come, you come face to face with them, and you got to beat them if you want to finish. Mm-hmm. Um, you can all, you can always, you know, give less than, but then, you know, then they're not gone. Are. That's it. You've not, you've not defeated that <laughs> demon for the day. Like you've, you've been. Think of a better term. You've been the bitch. You know yeah. what I mean? And like by, by, it's going to sound so sadistic, but by putting yourself through that that discomfort right you give that that mental demon like a physical form because uh anything that's going on in your head is like a a, an itch you can't scratch right you just can't really get it you can't get to it but if you give it like a um um, an entity of your shoulders are burning or this workout just sucks like my heart feels like it's going to implode it's like it's there now. Now and now you can address it. You've kind of taken it yeah. from your head, put exactly. it to a bar, or put it on the floor, or put it in a wall or, or whatever. And now you can defeat it. And sometimes your your defeat for that day is going to be, or your win for that day is going to be um, going unbroken and absolutely destroying the workout. Then some days it's going to be, all right, I want you to come in and I want you to break one sweat. I want you to just move, and that's defeating your demon for the day and i think i think it's really important 
Yeah, 100%. I'm now, I, you know, when you go through different phases of your life and you have other stresses, sometimes you come to the gym and you're like, I just want to sweat. Yeah. You're not ready to enter that competitive zone because you've already tackled like five other demons outside of the gym. But whenever, if, if, if you're in that place where you're ready to be competitive, then the gym is a hugely rewarding environment to be in. I'm now, um, if I'm, I want to at some point do a weightlifting competition. I mean, it's, it's funny me saying it now because I'm literally a beginner, but uh, I want Love to it. see what that would be like. <laughs> but um, I've, I've done a, I've started doing this Mindset RX um, program, which is basically journaling, but the journaling uh, is on a, um, uh, on a curriculum, shall we say. So like it gets more and more advanced or the prompts get a bit more, get more and more advanced as you, um, as time goes by. So you have to do it every day. You have to journal every day. And someone will look at it and comment if they want you to go a bit deeper, like they'll probe a bit, or they'll just say like, well done, nice work. Um, and uh, it's amazing how I've never really tackled mindset in the gym until now. Like for example, before CrossFit I was running and I was always chasing something, but without much clarity. Like okay, you know, I'm good with 5K, I'll do a 10K. I'm good with a 10K, I'll do a half marathon. I'm good with a half marathon, I'll do a marathon. And then when the when I'd done the ma two marathons, I then was like, well, I don't even know why I'm running. I mean, by that time I was already in CrossFit, so I'd, I had something else to shift my focus to, but I don't think I ever had, had a mental game with running. Like I would lace up, get outside, finish the distance that I'd set out to do. And, and that was it. But I don't think I ever, I don't know, I never developed that. Um, I never developed a hugely strong mindset. But now with CrossFit, I think it matters. It matters to me enough. Well, it's finally got to this point where um, I want to be competitive at something. <laughs> and so I've set out a goal to, you know, uh, get better at weightlifting, basically, and defined a couple of things I want to do. And it's amazing how if you focus on it um, every day, then every day there is a challenge to beat. So uh, my struggle before was this isn't having, this isn't, I'm not strong enough for this. It's too heavy. I'm not going to pick it up. So I was just not getting stronger. Like either I'm, I'm not strong enough, so I can't pick it up, or I'm going to pick it up and fail and look stupid, or I'm going to pick it up, fail and get injured. And all those things were sort of my demons. And it's why I've not got stronger in a long time. Uh, unless, you know, and in the odd occasion when in the open in 2018, someone else put the weights for me on the bar and I didn't know it was on the bar and I just picked it up and cleaned it. And that was my PR for the year. <laughs> I, she probably thought, ah, she can do that. Yeah. <laughs> But if you leave it, if you left it to me, I just wouldn't. I would chicken, chicken out. Um, so yeah, um, just working on the mindset is is huge. I'm I'm really passionate about this program. It's it's run by a guy called Tom Foxley, and he, I think it should be in every gym. You know, like 
I mean, of course, some people have, have come from other sports and they are already able to um, understand what it is that's blocking them and work through it. Um, for me, I had to really learn what I need to be telling myself every time I lift something heavy. Mm -hmm. I can't just be thinking about the music or whatever. I have to, I still don't think I've fine-tuned it, but I need to tell myself specific things like, I'm a person who lifts heavy things. And <laughs> Fuck <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like fit, fitness makes you um, face your mindset. Like, for, you know, I was, a, I was a swimmer, right? Back in the day. So you spend hours looking at that black line in the bottom of the pool. And you have to tell yourself weird shit. You have to fucking talk to yourself, especially when they want you to do like 50 sets of 100 at whatever pace. And you're like, you want me to do what now? Like I have three seconds rest on set number one and you want me to do it 50 times. They're like, yeah. And if you're going to throw up, do it outside of the pool and don't fucking miss your interval. And I'm like, okay, let's go. Like you need to just... You need to be able to like tell yourself some weird stuff. And then obviously ruggers, like you've just got to be like, you've got to get back for your bloody, your boys just been absolutely smashed on the other side of the pitch. You're like, All right, I got to get there. And then weightlifting and CrossFit. It's like, yeah, you could think to yourself, this sucks. Like this hurts so bad. Or you could just be like, don't be a fucking bitch. Sometimes like, sometimes you need to just, sometimes you need to go dark, right? I've, uh, I've done a couple of posts on this a while ago. Maybe I'll do it again uh, just to refresh it. <laughs> this is a while ago. I don't think people like the way I say it, though, because it kind no, of... No, no, no. Every... In my head, your Instagram is always about the dark place. So I don't... I think... <laughs> but, maybe, but maybe you don't go deep enough. Like, it's just a headline, and then you leave it at that, and then you're like, see ya. Yeah. <laughs> I think you need to flesh see. it out. Right. So, like, I don't know. Like, uh, I say... I used to say it in coaching a lot. Um, especially when um, I'd coach some weightlifting, right? Sometimes sometimes you need to leave, be a little bit hairy-fairy with yourself and be like, it's okay, you can do this. Focus on the techers. Don't worry about the weight. Or even when it gets heavy, come on, you can do this. Be a bit of a cheerleader for yourself, right? In, in your own head. And other days, you just gotta, you've got to say some pretty nasty things to yourself just to get yourself fired up. And it depends day to day, right? Some days you need to be your best friend. And other days you need to be the devil himself and punch yourself in the face and be like, look, you're going to fucking pick this bar up and I don't care. And like, uh, yeah. I think people are scared to, to do the second one. Right? <laughs> I had a coach who was um, said to me, if you don't, I don't know, clean this or whatever it was, you're not leaving this, this class or you're not leaving this session. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, fuck. <laughs> you're like, what or, do you mean? This isn't school. You can't do that. <laughs> Or, you know, the worst that I've been telling myself a few times, it's like someone's life is depending on this. you got to do it. Mm. It's like that lift the car and save the baby kind of situation. Mm. Um, I find it hard to get angry, but recently a coach said to me, if you keep, if you know, if you keep doing this, if you keep thinking in this, in this way, what's your life going to look like in 10 years time? And I was like, yeah, that's, that's, oh, that's scary. powerful. Yeah. That's real powerful. <laughs> So you have to, or, you know, what has this belief done to you so far? It's kept mm. me weak, man. It's kept me weak. <laughs> I don't want to be weak. <laughs> mm. So I, I need to change my belief. In, in terms of aggression, and, and I think of it as a light switch, right? If you, um, 
if you flick the light switch on and you have it on all the time, like eventually you're going to run out of electricity. Like, I mean, growing up, it was like, look, when you leave a room, you flick the light switch off. We can't pay the Alecky bills. You know what I mean? Keep the Alecky bills down sort of thing. So it's like, look, you're going to end up burning through your cash and you're not going to be able to pay for the electricity bill. So you need to flick it off. And most of the time it's going to be off because it's daylight. Right. And then sometimes you're going to need to flick that light switch on. But as soon as you finish your set, you flick it back off again. So it's like um, it's being able to harness it, ha- harness, harness it and challenge it, uh, channel it, Jesus Christ, channel it in a way where you use it for you for a very short period of time. And then you just flick that switch back off. Like, oh, okay. No, I'm like a happy, cheery lady, blah, 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 blah. And then it's like, all right, it's my set. You kind of get up, you flick it, you get make it a little bit warm. It's kind of halfway. As soon as your hands go on the bar, that's it. You're like you can't hear anything else. And even if you can, it's kind of like bullshitting yourself if you just be like, nah, I can't hear anything else. And even if you genuinely can hear the music or whatever, you just say to yourself, I can't hear anything else. I'm deaf for this set of back squats. So I'm deaf for this lift. And you're just like, right, I'm gonna go nuts. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And then you flick it back off again, you sit down. Weightlifting's great, you get to sit down between sets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i need to practice this on and off i think yeah like um <laughs> i don't know like i think everyone especially when especially when you train weightlifting right um i've made this i've made this mistake whenever i go through like weightlifting cycles and that where you you want to be pissed off all session because, <laughs> because something's like wound you up that day and you're like absolutely fuming you're like, oh my God, I'm going to like destroy everything. Next thing you know, 20 minutes into the session, you're burnt out. You're exhausted, and, yeah. <laughs> and you're just like, oh my God, I can't lift the bar. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. I want to go home. Give me a pizza. Rub my or belly. Someone <laughs> or someone and you shout at them because you're pissed off. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, maybe I should have switched that off. <laughs> yeah. Fuck you. They've just walked in. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Um, so you got to be able to, I don't know, control it. It's like harnessing that that um, that bad wolf, right? Yeah, yeah. I think that's going to be an interesting learning curve this this season. How to how to talk to yourself when you need to channel that aggression, uh, or the sort of like it's now or never. Like this is challenging, but I I can do it. Um, mm. This is this is not something I've done before, but I am someone who does hard things or I'm someone who pushes a boundary or <clears throat> I'm seeing that picture of myself as someone stronger or someone who's, I need to pull the baby out of the car or whatever it is that <laughs> does the trick for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tia, yeah. Tia said it on one of the documentaries, I think it was a 2016, uh, she just goes, uh, Tia, if you're gonna go, go now. Like, if you're going to turn it on, turn it on now. If not, yeah. don't. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'll, I'll repeat that. I've said that to many, many people in the past. Or I'll just say, like, do or die. Like, um, we, we recently did, like, a Crohn's and colitis sort of lift for, lift for Crohn's and colitis thing. And you have to do a bit of CrossFit before going for, like, a max, uh, max lift, right? And I was just like, oh, yeah, max lifts. So I'll, yeah, I'll jump in, no problem. And they're like, oh, yeah, you've got to do, like, a workout before it i was like are you fucking joking me like i'm here to lift i'm not here to work out anyway like 
you know, you kind of approach that barbell and the, there's 20 seconds left. I'm like, well, there's 20 seconds left. I'm either going to do it now or I'm not going to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I kind of giving you the stuff, that option and then always being proud. No matter what, even if you like, don't even deadlift the bar and you're just like, Oh, that's not coming up today. You're like, so what? I'm proud. I put it on the bar and gave it a fucking <laughs> gave it a go, you know? Uh, that's, that's cool. At the end of the day, I sort of sum up the wins of the day. And sometimes I have, two and sometimes I have five and sometimes I have like maximum seven but you're right it's about seeing even the tiny wins mm, um, small wins yeah like every single thing otherwise you know life gets yeah harder gets overwhelming yeah. right yeah yeah definitely overwhelming. yeah and I don't know like even even something like uh, this this touches on um uh the guy who helped me well the guy who did my illustration the front cover for the book alistair good mate of mine he basically was in a bit of a shit place in in auckland and he was just like dude you got to focus on those small wins and he's like hi have you had a coffee this morning and i was like yeah I, I woke up and drank a coffee you know like every morning he's like well that's a win dude you drank a coffee you like coffee so you've drank one and that's a fucking win I was like, okay, cool. He was like, did you wake up this morning? And I was like, well, yeah, I'm like in front of you, you know? And he's like, exactly. That's a, that's a win. You're fucking alive. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's wise. I, I remember, I can't remember where I was in life. It was definitely pre-COVID. And I saw somewhere written, smile, you're alive. You've got options. <laughs> it's literally best thing anyone ever said to me. We're alive. We have options. It's probably one of those like uh, signposts out of a like a, a hippie um, coffee shop somewhere, isn't it? Yeah. Oh my god. What? Yeah. They're awesome. Yeah. Absolutely. Like free hugs and stuff like that. Mm. Like uh, yeah. what? What's my favorite one? Um, eat the cake. Fat people are harder to kill. <laughs> or harder to kidnap or something like that. I'm like, that's brilliant. That's you know, that's a bit of comedy on a on a Tuesday morning. I didn't realize you were a swimmer and I knew about the rugby, but I didn't know about the swimming. That yeah, explains it. Back, back in the day, like I was, I uh, competed um, from seven to, um, I want to say 13, 14. Wow. Um, okay. There was like a, a season where I did both. I swam and I played ruggers. So I'd, I'd like get up on, um, on a Saturday, I'd do, half of my swim training and then I'd go play a rugby match. Um, but my love for swimming went like, I was never going to be a swimmer, um, like a, a decent swimmer. I was more of a whale than a fish. Um, you know what I mean? <laughs> like I've gone with Bigger. the days. Yeah. Like at 13, I was like 96 kilos. Um, I, uh, I gone with the days where I could kind of like get away with just like muscling through the water. Like it, kids were now like six foot five and had just beautiful streamline and arms double the sense length of mine. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm not that quick. <laughs> like, um, and I, I don't know. I just had enough. Like I'd had enough of training an hour and a half in the morning. And then I, so my, my school was really fortunate. We had a leisure center attached to it so I used to go train there and then I'd have to do extra English in the morning because like I said my English weren't great 
Um, so I had to basically do extra schooling, which was, you know, for, for the special kids, as we call it. No, it's uh, just, just I was just a late bloomer when it comes to that. Um, and as were everyone else in the class, um, either a late bloomer or dyspraxic, dyslexic or whatnot. So we, we just had to, be, yeah, it just had to be broken down for us a little bit more, um, which was which was fine, which was all cool. Um, and then obviously I did school and then as I was home after school for about half an hour and then I was in the car for an hour and then I was training for like two and a half again in the evening. Credit to your parents who were, you know, driving you back and forth and all that. Yeah, so I walked to school and did the swimming um, and then my mum used to set me um, to train in the evening. I used to come home and do my homework and by the time I'd done my homework, my mum was home. So I was like, I knew I had to do my homework in like 30 minutes because I was training all evening. Um, yeah. And then she used to take me there, yeah. So it's, I don't know, man. It was, uh, I'm, I'm glad I did it, but my motivation to swim now is absolutely nothing. Like, if people don't go with me, I will not swim. Yeah. Like, I just can't be asked anymore. I spent yeah. too long in the pool. Um, but I think your mind, my, first of all, can I just say, I also had, I had, I was a late bloomer when it came to reading. And so my dad coached me for a little while in first grade. He would record me reading and then he'd play it back to me. And then I would listen to how bad I was and I'd have motivation to improve. <laughs> mm. Bless him. Um, but I think, like you say, the, with swimming, it's not so much whether you swim, swim now or not. It was the mindset the, the mindset gains you know mm. that you went through that competitive environment and you learned whatever you learned it doesn't matter if it's swimming or piano or I mean a lot of people will be jealous of your shoulder mobility from swimming <laughs> but it doesn't matter what it is you end up learning how to cope in a tough environment and that's literally what it's about at that age um, but it clearly gave you you know an engine and mobile shoulders and all that I mean Got I think, it. I think uh, dealing with adversity too, right? Because like when your heart is pounding out your chest so fast that you think you're going to die, like you genuinely would put money on the fact that you're not going to survive the session. Is like you learn how to deal with adversity. And I think that's, that's, that's the point I use for coaching the youth. And when I say, look, kids should do fitness because they learn how to deal with adversity. You're like, what do you mean? Are you going to like give them like a really tough life lesson? I'm like, no, the heart rate's going to be high. Like they have to yeah. fucking deal with that. They have to figure out how to deal with that. That's a really freaky place to be. Yeah. And like people, I don't know, like, especially, especially now people say like, Oh, they have asthma or they have this condition with their lungs or that condition with their fucking heart and shit. I'm like, no, 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 no. They just need to figure out how to breathe. They just need to figure out how to like calm themselves down when their body just doesn't know what's going on. Like, and you only learn that by getting in the arena and throwing punches, right? Yeah. I thought that was um, huge, a huge benefit of running long distances, actually the whole breathing thing. And that's what taught me, I guess, patience. And maybe as you say, maybe you become more stoic. Yeah. over time with the I wouldn't I don't I don't know what it's like to sprint because I haven't really sprinted ever so I don't ask me um I mean I know from from CrossFit a little bit to just go super super fast for a tiny bit but 
Um, I value the, uh, yeah, I think it, the long distance running taught me how to be more stoic. Like, don't worry, this too shall pass, you know, find a pace, stick with the pace and trust your breath. And even my thoughts would calm down after a while. Um, like I would just start with something and it would seem huge in the beginning, but then just from having a breathing pace and a running pace, I would just, my thought pattern would, I would be able to resolve it in, in a calmer way. Like, okay, this is the thing. Let's have a think about it. And nothing was such a big deal. Mm. Whereas obviously it, it was probably a product of, of breathing properly. Whereas, you know, when your breath becomes shorter and more shallow, things tend to escalate <laughs> or when you're not breathing well, you know, things seem like a mountain, but um, yeah, I think figuring out your breathing is huge. Right. And then being able to harness it, you know, how many times um, I think when you're told to sit still at a doctor's or wherever, and then you're like, yeah, I can hold my breath all day, man. Like, it's not a big deal. You know, I just tell me when, <laughs> um, but it's a good tool for staying calm in difficult situations. If things are not going your way, okay, I'm going to slow my breathing down and breathe deeply. <laughs> mm. um, yeah. It's just a life skill. I think doing the hard things is, is a really, uh, really good life skill to have and like we say like figuring it out on the fly dealing with that adversity like uh, that's why i love the teddy roosevelt quote about being in the arena so much i was like that's where the credit should lie about someone who's actually throwing punches duck dip and diving you know what i mean and then and, and figuring things out and and taking the mud in the face taking a few taking a few knocks along the way like going down the wrong path and kind of turning into not a nice person and figuring it out and thinking, Oh, like, no, this is the wrong one. Turning around and coming back. Um, I think, yeah, people are scared, especially because it's, you know, it's plastered, plastered on the media now. And I don't mean like mainstream media. I mean like social media, like everything's kind of accessible, but I think people were just being a bit more real of, of, of saying, look, I'm like just figuring this bullshit out. Like it doesn't have to be perfect straight away. Um, I think that's. Uh, I think people. I think people do appreciate it, whether they whether they tell us or not. Um, I think people will end up appreciating it and taking some sort of uh, some sort of lift from it, and just being like, "Oh, okay, they're, they're still figuring this thing out and yeah. and whatnot." Yeah, and whatnot. yeah, yeah. It's. I think that I don't know. I mean, obviously, the the accounts that have like a million followers tend to be a bit showy, but uh, there, there's always. Um, I follow this guy, Brendan Bouchard, who is a public speaker and a coach, but he, you know, from looking at his account now, you wouldn't, you wouldn't think that this guy at some point would struggle to speak, but yet he had a day one when he couldn't speak in public and he had to have notes and like rehearse a billion times before he would press record. Uh, everyone started somewhere. It's just that it, that somewhere isn't visible. You know, Oprah had a day one when she was, you know, maybe not, not quite so confident. And I think it's important to see, I always appreciate those, you know, <laughs> then and now posts of like, this is where I was, this is where I am now. It, it, everybody started somewhere. And because so many people suffer from imposter syndrome of like, I shouldn't be here, I'm not, I don't belong here, blah, blah, blah. 
um, myself included, I think it's important to see, to remember that everyone had a day one when they didn't know what they were doing and they are still probably figuring it out. They're just, you just see it that way because you've just suddenly put them on a pedestal because they look confident, but they're still figuring it out, you know? But, I, uh, yeah. I completely agree. And I don't know if it's going to give you any any strength or whatever, but I, I struggle with the same thing with that imposter syndrome. Like uh, I always have done, like, you know what I mean? Come from um, a working class family in, in Northwest Manchester. I'm like, oh, I, I shouldn't really be here. Like, you know, my mom moved me to a, a, a bit of high school. Um, so you're kind of surrounded by middle-class people. And I'm like, I, I'm very different. I shouldn't be here. But then you find rugby and, or I found rugby and I kind of slotted in because I'm like, oh, he's an aggressive kid. He's all right. You know what I mean? I'm like, well, I'm an aggressive kid because uh, of a couple of demons. But anyway, that, that, that ended up coming into fruition uh, a few years later. But then like, yeah, still going. I went to the South. Like you, you came from Greece to, to London. I'm sure you were like, ah, I shouldn't be here. I was exactly the same. But I was just in my own country, you know. I was like, ah, oh, this is so weird. Like, I remember the first, I remember the first, I'd say, six months of me working in the in the gym in the south. I had to repeat myself four times to the fucking southern English people because they didn't understand me. Foreigners got me first time. Like, there's Portuguese, there was Spanish, there was Italian, Swiss, Danish. They all got me first time. Bloody southern English, nah, they had no idea what I was saying. I was like, are you taking a piss? Maybe they were taking a piss. <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe. Like, maybe they were to, to annoy you. <laughs> well, it worked. <laughs> no, but um, I think the point I was trying to make is like ev- everyone, I think, has a sense of that imposter syndrome of like, hey, I probably shouldn't be here. But that's that's the point. That is the place that you should be then. If you feel that way, that you're like, I, you know, yeah. maybe maybe I shouldn't be here, blah, blah, blah. Then there's a lesson to be learned in that place that you're in. And um, yeah. it, whether it works out or not, like being fired or whether you leave the corporate world or whatever, but you've, you've definitely taken, taken lessons from that. Yeah. And ah, it was at the tip of my tongue now, but <laughs> I don't know. I think everyone is always winging it. You have to remember. Oh yeah. Everyone is always winging it. Even if it looks so polished, um, it's not. Mm. Um, it's just, it looks, everyone is working at things. Nothing is ever perfect. And I think everyone has something to offer. So we're all trying to learn from each other. Um, we don't need to judge one another. You know, the whole, I think the imposter syndrome is just, you know, I read this in the first lockdown, I read this book called the war of art and it's about all the things that you sabotage yourself with um, so that you don't face hardship so that you don't do the thing that you're really meant to be doing. And it's distractions and in being having the imposter syndrome is yet another thing that you self-sabotage with so that you won't end up doing the work that you are called to, to do in this world. So he describes it as he was a writer, he is a writer. He was meant to be writing, but he would put all these things in between. He'd get all these random jobs so that he wouldn't sit down and do the fucking writing, you know, the hard work that is challenging, but is so fruitful. 
Mm. So uh, that's how I look at it. You know, all these imposter syndromes and all these other demons are there to sabotage you from doing the work that you were supposed to be doing, that you were called to do. And for me, I think I was born on International Women's Day and my mom always made a big point about it. And I was, when I was a kid, I was like, mom, nobody gives a shit. Like nobody knows that day apart from you. And of course, since then, now International Women's Day is a big day. But back when I was growing up, <laughs> nobody gave a shit. Um, but I always think, what am I gonna do for my birthday? And it's always like, there's some big march about women and equality and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, I'm just gonna get on board with that, <laughs> that one. And, you know, maybe do something that celebrates women and, you know, do something fun, but also do something fitness related. So who knows if this year we're allowed to do anything, get together with anyone that isn't, you know, not on Zoom, um, I'm gonna do something fitnessy with some girls um, and just have a, a, a big like ladies party mm. <laughs> with weights. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't wait for the day where like these things don't have one day where people feel it's okay to celebrate, you know, being a woman or uh, female strength or being LGBTQ plus or if I've missed anything, I do apologize. Like Black History Month and shit. Black History Month pisses me the fuck off. Yeah. But I'm just like, there shouldn't be one month dedicated to learning about African heritage. Like people should know about African heritage. And I do believe that if people like learn history as a whole, I don't mean like learning every single thing that happened. And obviously there's going to be things that are misstrewed with historian bias um and also obviously history is written by the the victors but if people learn more about history i think prejudice would would go down the toilet i think there'd be less like stigma around things i think people would understand how their country actually works a lot more especially in the uk i'm like um what are you talking about immigration everyone for like a million years is an immigrant on this piece of land we just all fought over this like muddy wasteland you know what I mean? And then even America, you're just like, okay, like figure out who you are. Even coming over here, you're like, all right, well, the white people are European. You know what I mean? The, the fucking Maoris are from the Pacifica. Like figuring in that out and then like the social social integration and then you, you, you become less ignorant to it. And I just can't wait for the fact of what, like, we don't have to just, oh, okay, we're going to throw out an olive branch and go, all right, women can get one day. Or you know, Black History Month can have one month and then they'll shut up about it. You know what I mean? It's just like, for Christ's sake, can everyone just like get on with <laughs> with each other? Like, it's been a while now, guys. Like, let's uh, let's just stop this. You know what I mean? Because if everyone yeah. gets one day, we don't we don't have enough days. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean we're on a we're, we're further a lot further along than we were. You know, thirty years yeah. ago, I think. With these things are on a part on a curve and I think the curve is getting steeper um yeah I think a lot you know like I was saying to you you know when I was growing up there was no weightlifting option there was ballet even if yeah. you were a guy there was no weightlifting but there was maybe later down the line but you know now 
I see 13 year olds in CrossFit and they lift ridiculous Insane. weights. Insane. <laughs> yeah. You're like, sorry, um, what? <laughs> I still can't lift that. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're coaching a kid. They pick it up like this. And then the next thing you know, two months later, they're stronger than you. You're like, well, I quit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, that's it. I'm out. Like, peace. <laughs> yeah. Uh, these, uh, yeah, these kids are going to be are going to be insane. Right. Going to yeah. be insane. But I also, I also believe like you're going to flip it on the head, right? And just be like, what are the el- like that quote unquote elderly population going to look like? They're going to be like fit humans. They're just going to be seventy years of age, but can still pick anything up do do stuff obviously the work age will end up um going a little bit later unfortunately but i mean i do believe people need a purpose and when you stop mentally you end up stopping physically but like people are going to be able to do stuff a lot longer and then the amount of stuff they're going to be able to get done in their life is just going to skyrocket i mean there is you know what I'm excited about? Because I really think the general population, I'm not sure if the general population is getting stronger, but I feel like the beauty standard is changing yeah. for women. And I feel like the, the standard of fitness, for, like as you say, for older people is also changing. That I'm excited about. But I don't know whether as a, as a race, we are getting generally fitter and healthy because I see a lot of sitting. And obviously for... For as long as we have cars, trains, and we are doing desk jobs, and things are doing done by robots, um, oh I don't God. see that changing. You know what I mean? You yeah. know, like um, where back in the day, you know, you'd have everything was manual, and now everything is done by robots um, or by humans sitting. And so uh, I think we need a change in lifestyle, just the basic lifestyle stuff that we. The basic, um, how we live really, like I, this is probably off topic, but I went from a flat, when I moved flats this January, I decided I'm not going to have chairs in my new flat. And I know this sounds like funny for a Western lifestyle, but I was like, I'm done with chairs because I know when I went to Japan at 19, um, we went to this tiny, tiny village there were no chairs and we sat we ate on the floor uh we obviously slept in beds and i think the rest of the time we were moving there were no chairs i i I mean probably there were but i just don't remember seeing there were benches uh we went out there to help a carpenter it was amazing and we were building benches for the park but i don't remember people sitting in chairs and I came back and I wasn't in any type of, I wasn't in CrossFit for, for a long time, but I remember that sticking with me and thinking, okay, like there are different ways to use your legs at home. Um, and then I, I learned later, you know, I learned about the Asian squat and the difference between and why the Asian squat is called an Asian squat is because people in Asia squat more because they don't have chairs. Um, so I think, you know, a kind of like, furniture or lifestyle revolution needs to take place for us to use our bodies more. Mm. Um, You know, the standing desk is one such thing and we need to be a bit more mindful of what we do with these 23 hours. Um, 
how we live really uh, basic things it doesn't need to be um yeah we just need to like take care of our of of our movement and just add start adding movement back into our life otherwise i don't see it happening like i don't see us getting stronger in our in our old like of course you will be um but i don't see the general population becoming a healthier happier fitter stronger um older person mm. that's on us though right that's on us as coaches that's on us as um, I think everyone is a role model, regardless of who you are, where you are, what you do. Uh, but that's on us to be able to, I guess, provide that information of there's another way to live. And this is the way of um, improving your your wellness as a whole. Um, I think the human race is a bit ignorant of the fact of like the pendulum. We go from one extreme to the other. And I think we'll end up reaching a point where you know, I saw a statistic the other day, obviously, who knows whether it's true or not, but it was something like 42% of the American population is obese, right? And like we know, who knows if that statistic's real, but we know obesity is, is, a, is an actual problem. Um, and it does piss me off whether this is correct in saying or not, but it does piss me off saying that disease, uh, obesity is a disease. I don't believe it's a di- disease. I believe it's a social problem. Yeah, it's a life. Yeah, it's a lifestyle. Well, like, what, what, where do you think it comes from? Um, lack of knowledge. I believe humans are habitual creatures. You are basically a hologram of your habits. Like, if I didn't have the habit of um, training, you would see it in my physical stature. If I didn't have the habit of um, writing poems, you would see it as the fact of I wouldn't have the book. You know what I mean? It's a, we are just an expression of what we do daily um, and what we repeatedly do. And I think obesity is caused by um, a lot of things. You know, you can go down the socioeconomic path of like shit, quote unquote, shit food full of like trans fats and all that sort of stuff, higher cal- calorific foods of being cheaper, i.e. Mackey's. And you can go down the fact of like, it's it's hard to buy quote unquote organic because what is organic in the Western world? Apart from here, they basically, everything is organic. Everything's grass fed. You know what I mean? Like they've got land coming out of their bloody ass. Um, <laughs> and then it's also generally, generationally, yes, we're not moving as much. So that can, that can come into it. But you look at the skill meals, like look at free skill meals in the UK. Like it's, they're eating shit. literally like you put it on the side and it probably wouldn't go moldy for a long, long time. Like it's garbage and you're feeding kids and you're also allowing kids to not move. And you're also allowing them to like drink a Fanta bottle of one, one liter, one and a half liters full of sugar. I'm just like, Oh yeah, mate, because it's a pound. Yeah. Um, I think it's a lot of things like combined together nothing is ever nothing is ever a standalone issue everything is a synergy of of everything else combined yeah but i don't believe it's a disease you know what's um because coming from greece um um it was so you know you wouldn't pick up groceries in uh plastic they were just sold as loose right and it was just so easy to pick stuff 
off of trees in in the summer when we would go you know to to the farms to the villages to the beach it was easy enough to have that close relationship with the land where all right here's some fruit we can pick it up and eat it um and it's um there came a point where i guess in in england you know it was more uh desirable to buy canned stuff you know back in the 50s oh you know canned is better or like white bread is better and now i don't know you know maybe there was a point where mcdonald's was like it's cool you know for kids it's cool to go to mcdonald's and the standard now has changed like i know that um uni students drink less than they they did before and they are more into they're more health conscious than they were perhaps 10 or 15 or 20 years ago so i think it's the standard if we can just create a standard where it doesn't need to be expensive it just needs to be real real food coming from real trees real farms and i don't know i'm in a scheme where you know i get the i get loose produce in a box from a farm it's not particularly expensive it's not cheap but it's not more than you'd pay at tesco's but it comes from a farm in a box and i don't need the plastic and so i don't know i think like you say it's education and it's setting the standard so it's that is what is desirable like picking something off of the tree or from the farm is you know should be the desirable standard rather than buying it off, out of the supermarket or going to mcdonald's mm. i like the and whole um, i like the whole discussion and the, the challenge of the the class system right that's where I kind of that's why i like to pick my battles because uh, obviously yeah. you know being from being from money like yeah, things are things are a little bit rough um yeah and it's the fact of like, look, people do grow up broke, like absolutely broke, and they can't afford anything. So they're going to buy, you know, those yellow stickers where it's reduced because it's gone out of date a little bit. Yeah. So they're going to buy it because it's 12p a sandwich or, you know, yeah. 30p a bloody chicken breast. And like, you kind of, you know, malnutrition is, is a serious problem, like, you get those all those campaigns in the UK every year, right? Donate money. Like if you don't donate money, you're you're a fucking asshole. Like they pull on your heartstrings and put it to this charity, that charity to go send it to or quote unquote send it to kids in India, Bangladesh, Malaysia, like uh, Africa or whatever. And I'm like, hold on a minute. UK is a funny one because there's such a such a divide between the north and south. Like it's it's insane. And to be honest, I only, I only really acknowledged and saw the difference once I moved south. And I was like, things are fucking different. Like, what is going on? And it's, it's funny because I kind of use the analogy every time. I was like, if I drive down the motorway, right, I start off in, in, in Manchester and I'm like, I could go to a petrol station and I can buy like um, a bottle of Coke for maybe like a pound. I'm like, okay, cool. I'll pay a pound. And I get to like Birmingham, I get to like Midlands and it's like 150. And I'm like, all right, they've added 50p because I don't know, they talk a bit different and the Midlands is a weird place. And then I get down to the South and I'm like paying like 220, 230. And I'm like, it's the same bottle. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, it, I don't know, mate. Like I think that goes into politics and I don't know a great deal about it. 
Um, so if I'm uneducated on it, I can't necessarily give my opinion. Um, but providing things at a cheaper price, that isn't absolute garbage, especially for the youth. Like if you feed the youth shit, you're going to get shit as your general population in 20 years, in 30 years, in 40 years, in 50 years, whatever. Like you're basically just shooting yourself in the foot and telling yourself to go run a marathon. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not, I don't know enough about it either, but I think the simplest thing we can say is try to eat unprocessed stuff. Mm. Um, so, you know, bag of almonds is going to last you a long time. But it's better to eat almonds than to eat, um, I don't know, any kind of snack, any kind of like crisp. Just go for the almonds because it's, you know, it's how God made it. <laughs> Whereas God did not make uh, crisps, <laughs> you know, they were made in a factory. Um, just that very simple fact of like, if it looks like, you know, how it grew on the tree, <laughs> that's how you should have it. Um I don't care where it's sold. I don't care, you know, if they've, you know, basically try and eat unprocessed. Um, and if it looks like something that was made in a factory, avoid. Um, mm. and maybe I think you'll have less anxiety. That's that sparked um, that sparked something in, in, in me. To be honest, I think uh, I think my my thing would be education. Then, like, yeah, you you do what you have to do to survive, right? When shit hits the fan, if you fall over, you get back up, right? No matter how many times. Because if you don't, you're just going to lie there until you start to death. So you do what you have to do to survive, whether it is like you work four jobs to pay your rent or whether it is you pay a little less money because you don't have it to eat whatever you have to do to give yourself food. But educate yourself. Like, I don't think there's a... Especially now, I don't think there's an excuse for lack of education. Like, you can take the initiative on yourself and go learn shit. Like, go to the free library and go learn things about nutrition. So then when you are no longer in that position of scrimping and scraping for pennies, you can make those wise decisions, which might cost you 20p more. But for some people, that 20p is like, yes or no. It is, I have it or I don't. Um yeah. And obviously over what, like a hundred, um, a hundred different products, it, it, it adds up, but I just say, educate yourself. So then we can all take those steps and climb the ladder and live a better life. And, you know, sometimes you do have to do what's needed to be done. To, uh, you, know what found, you know what I found really confusing in um, the fitness industry is that I think, you know, I, I have no concept of health growing up, but the one thing we did have is we ate well mm. because we ate unprocessed stuff mm. and uh, always fresh and it was always local and it was always seasonal because we didn't have fancy anything, you know? It was literally like from the grocers and from the farm. And I think what confused me and puzzled me in the fitness industry is that there's so much packaged stuff like you know you go to a gym you see knockos and fit aids and no disrespect to those companies but that's not uh it's not fresh produce to me you know it's not unprocessed food that you know nutrition is about and there's a lot of you know when you go to holland and barrett and you know you go to the uh 
there's just so many uh, protein snacks and stuff like that, 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 you know, marketed, packaged to make a good impression on you. Um, that I don't, I don't know, you know, I think maybe gyms could take more of a stance on that, mm. you know, because having a smoothie bar is fantastic. You know, not everyone can afford it, but then at least you're, I don't know, pressing fruit into something. Um, then you're drinking it fresh there and then boom, sorted. Or even like, I don't know, having a fruit bowl where people can just take a banana, you know what I mean? Like, like you're not messing with your gut in any way. And you're not putting artificial stuff in your system. And I think, I don't know, you know, like obviously everyone has to make money somehow, but I found that really confusing. Like if I'm mm. meant to be getting healthier, surely I should be eating more natural. <laughs> um I think that's why you're seeing a, a growth in the whole holistic health at the moment. Like I'm a, I'm to be honest, I'm probably probably a bit of a hypocrite with it, but I'm massive into the holistic health. But I don't, you know, if I drink like a a Fanta Zero, I'm not really going to sweat about it. Like, but if I'm ill, I, I, I like focusing on my teas in the fact of. Um, if I'm ill, I'll make some sort of like blend of uh, green tea. So I usually go like Japanese green tea, uh, ginger, lemon, and a little bit of honey, right? And I'll just like put it in a pot and let it ferment for like three days. And the next thing you know, you absolutely just neck that down you and you feel wicked the next day. You know, if if you're a bit wired, like I do the same thing, but I, I take out the ginger and I put in chamomile and take out the green tea. So I have like chamomile, lemon, and sometimes honey if if I want it sweet, if not, I get a little bit of bitter from the lemon and yeah, it just switches you off. And I, I like all that holistic stuff. And I think that's why you, you're going to see a big rise, but then that, mm-hmm. that, that sort of touches on a different issue of like Western medicine is reactive uh, medicine. rather than. Uh, I, I, we, we need to tackle that one. I think yeah. now with COVID, we need to talk about that one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yes. Um, and it's not really medicine. It's sickness management. I think mm-hmm. you saw a, p- a lot of posts this week, right? On Morning Choke Up and what well, everyone's been trying to send out the message. But what is bizarre to me is that um, in a free market and in a free, in, in a world where there is freedom of speech, a lot of these messages of like, we are trying to manage sickness rather than promote health. A lot of these messages are being censored and the people who are spreading these messages are being stopped and censored. But yeah, this is what it is. You know, medicine seems to be about treating diseases and and, and preventing death, but it's not, life is not about preventing death. It's about, you know, we're about promoting, prolonging and improving life. Mm. Not about trying to prevent death like god forbid if that was our mission hey let me like stop you from dying i mean there is that too but i'm not on the verge of dying and neither are you we're trying to get stronger so that we live longer happier Uh, i think uh, that's where our industry is now gonna expand and we're there to help mitigate and help ease the the stress on healthcare systems like the nhs which are incredible like I think they are the spine of every country. I think hospitals and healthcare system is is awesome. Yet I think 
there should be more of a, and I don't think the whole um, uh, Instagram sort of booty builder guide, I don't think that helps. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, although I, I probably could have made a lot more money if I just started posting pictures on my ass on, on, um, on Instagram, but Hey, ho, there's always, there's always another day. Um, I think the coaching scene is going to go more into mitigating and, and helping people, you know, we've seen that spectrum, right. Of the, um, the fitness, wellness and illness. I think that's going to be more apparent in, in years to come. And I I would like, you know, gyms are shut uh, over here mm. and no one is making the, well, no politician that I've heard has made the point that in a sick society or in a society that is where the immune system, the immunity is low, we need to get everybody stronger. I don't, uh, I don't politicians. Know. Like, are they the ones that make the change? Like, they, see, this is where I'm a little bit socialist, right? Because are, are politicians the ones that make the change? Yes, they're the ones that like kind of, Pass, pass the bills but if they pass a bill does it really do anything no like it doesn't stop us going out on the street and actually making the change it's the people that make the change it's like it's the people saying that nah, i've had enough of this bullshit like this is now my job to do to look after my little bubble you know as as now it's been it's been phrased of like go look after my neighbor's mental and uh, physical well-being and we're now going to spread that and i think the industry kind of needs to take over and take responsibility in that sense and then bloody mps are like five years down the line they'll be like oh everyone's already doing this um we should probably pass a law and i'm like yeah brilliant mr eaton you can fuck off because we've been doing it for the past five years just go pass it no one cares yeah, it's just I'm I'm a bit pissed off because gyms are shut and yeah, for sure. It's the place where we create health before we need to manage sickness. Mm. And uh, I mean, I'm not pissed off in a big way because I think you know the you know if you limit resources, people become more resourceful, and if you limit options, people become more determined, and we will find ways to train and stay healthy but i'm just annoyed that it wasn't on the yeah it, it wasn't spread through the government it wasn't um acknowledged that this is how we make people stronger and more resilient and more immune and happier and we you know mitigate all kinds of social problems and I, if anything i would subsidize gyms rather than trying to <laughs> you know limit their resources and, and and force some of them to close um i mean there, there will be a you know something stronger will come out of this but i'm just yeah <laughs> it all comes from discussion though, right it all comes from having these debates and these conversations and be like hey can we iron out the kinks and and how can we become better and, and do things better and i think especially now people just need to go to healthcare workers and say hey you're the ones who are fighting the front line of this. I couldn't give a fuck what the MP says. What do you need us to do? What is going to help you fight this? And if they say jump through a firing hoop with your ball sack hanging out, then do it. Like, you know what I mean? Like they're the people that are, are fighting it right now. So yeah. they need our immediate attention. And then once that, once that ends up going and we end up coming out of the, the ass end of this whole pandemic, fingers crossed it's, it's anytime soon. And, no more people have to lose their lives from it. Then we can all continue the discussion, but also 
try things and do it on the gym floor and do it outside and more boot camps. And hopefully people are like, all right, I need to care about wellness a bit more. I'm going to do those smoothies and eat that apple rather than smashing that chocolate bar at the back. And, you know, yeah. and then you can see, see a little bit of change, but I think it, it doesn't happen overnight. And I, I think it just takes genuinely not caring about the government and what they, what they say and just be like, look, we're just going to do our thing and help the person next to us and um, just try something new. Amen. Preach so, it, brother. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, right, I'm going to have to shoot because I've got the next one in 17 minutes. <laughs> that was uh, pretty long, eh? Ah, no, nah, it was absolutely <laughs> wicked, mate. I always, I always learn a lot when we have a conversation um, and I really appreciate your time. Okay, well, don't leave it five years, okay? I won't leave it five <laughs> years, no. All right, we'll have, a, we'll have another conversation soon. Yeah, take care. All right, peace. Look after yourself.